Welcome to the One for the Money podcast. I'm your host, Johnny West. I'm a certified financial planner, and here I will teach you the tips, tricks, and strategies I use to help others retire early. This is the easy button when it comes to early retirement. Everything you want or need to know is right here. I'm so glad you join us on the show. Welcome to episode 10 of the One for the Money podcast. Again, I'm both glad and grateful you have taken the time to listen. In today's show, I will answer one of the most frequent questions I get, which goes something like this. When is the best time to invest in the stock market? Or another version, is now a good time to invest in the stock market? I'll review a strategy that may help ease your entry into the market. In the tips, tricks, and strategies section, I'll be going over mutual fund expense ratios as you might be paying a lot more than you realize, and I'll go over strategies, how you can reduce these. Thank you for listening. Now on with the show. The stock market at times can seem a bit like a roller coaster, and I'm often asked if now is a good time to invest. And my answer is, it's always a good time if you are investing for the long term. Now, investing is a lot like the old Chinese proverb, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, the second best time is now. And the same holds true for investing. And if the history of the stock market is our guide, 20 years from now, you will likely be really glad if you decided to invest today and may wish you had invested more. Despite this fact, many are still hesitant to invest because they fear that the moment they do, the stock market will drop. No one wants to buy high only to see their investments go lower. And I can't say I blame them. But the only trouble is that it's impossible to predict what the market will do over the next few weeks, months, or even years. However, a look at stock market history might serve as a potential guide, but a qualifier should always be added, which is that past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Now, here is the data on the S&P 500. Now, the S&P 500 is simply the average returns of 500 of the largest publicly traded companies in the United States. It's not an exact proxy for investing since Good investment practice has one invested portion internationally, but the U.S. economy, which is the largest in the world, should be a decent proxy. Now, this data is since 1937, and it shows the probability of positive returns after certain periods of time. Now, this data is courtesy of First Trust and utilizes Bloomberg data. Now, the data comes from December 31st, 1936, through December 31st, 2021. And after over those 21,000 trading days since 1937, investments were higher after one day, 53% of the time. So if you invested today, the odds that your investment would be higher tomorrow would be 53%. Now, one month later, the odds would be 63%. Three months later, 69. One year, 77% three years, 87, and at 10 years, it would be a 97.3% chance that your investments would be higher. No surprise that the longer you are invested, the higher the probability that your investments would be higher as well. Yet despite this historical data, some still are nervous about investing, and I get it. 
but there is a strategy that can help those who might still be hesitant to invest to start doing so. Say hello to my little friend called dollar cost averaging. What exactly is dollar cost averaging? Dollar cost averaging is a strategy in which you invest in the stock market at regular intervals, be it weekly or monthly. Now, many of you may already be employing such a strategy through contributions to your 401k accounts. And with dollar cost averaging, you are investing regardless of whether the stock market is high or low. If the market is lower, you are investing. If the market is up, you are still investing. The benefit of the strategy is it helps remove the emotion from investing. Now, here's why you might benefit from dollar cost averaging. What may surprise many is that the stock market is almost always down during part of each year. But at the end of at least three out of four years, it will be higher on December 31st than it was on January 1st. Well, let me explain. So since 1980, the market was always down during the year. And what I mean by that is on January 1st, the market is at a level. And sometime during the year, the market will be down on average between 14%. So during the year, it'll be down. But by the end of the year, approximately three out of every four years, it will be higher. I'll highlight a few examples. Many are familiar with Black Monday, and that was in 1987 when the Dow Jones dropped 22% in a single day. Now, the markets were down as much as 34% during the year. So during January 1st through December 31st, at one point, the markets were down 34%. And yet, by the end of the year, December 31st, the markets had finished up 2%. So if you invested money on January 1st and held it in through December 31st, and this is utilizing the S&P 500, your investments would have been up 2%. And yet at one point, they would have been down as much as 34%. And that's, again, a huge reason why if you invest on a monthly basis, utilizing dollar cost averaging, then you would be buying some of those dips in the market. Now, another example of a more recent time was the COVID correction in 2020. As you may recall, the markets were down as much as 34% during the year and finished up 16% higher than they were on January 1st. And again, when you were buying on a monthly basis, you were buying at a discount. Now, some have a question, what if I have a larger sum of money to invest? Is dollar cost averaging still the best strategy? And that's a great question, but you may be surprised by the answer. According to research, around 66% of the time, you would earn a higher return by investing the entire amount all at once, a lump sum, than if you followed the dollar cost averaging approach and spread the investments over the course of 12 months instead. And the reason is fairly simple the market generally moves higher. And by investing a lump sum, more of your money would increase when the market moves higher. Now, when should dollar cost averaging be considered for lump sums? Although you would be up more than 66% of the time if you invested lump sum, some worry about the 34% of the time when they would have less. And this certainly makes sense considering the principle of loss aversion. 
People far prefer avoiding losses to acquiring equivalent gains. Some studies have suggested that losses are twice as powerful psychologically as gains. So what's a person to do? Since the most important aspect of building wealth is being invested, dollar cost averaging can provide many with the confidence to invest. For many clients with this strategy, I recommend we invest 50% of the lump sum and dollar cost average the remainder over the subsequent 6 to 12 months. Now, here's some of my own analysis, and I was intrigued by the fact that there are downturns of short duration almost every year and wanted to see when these occurred. Consequently, I downloaded the daily close of the S&P 500 for the last 40 years, that's over 10,000 trading days, and determined the following. In the last 40 years, there was a total of 21 times where the market low was during the first three months of the year. And the market high that same year was in the last three months of the year. And of those 21 times, there were 11 different years. The low occurred in January and the high that same year occurred in the December. But there were also four other years when the market high for the year occurred in January. Now, what can one learn from this clearly unscientific analysis about when to invest? Well, nothing more than what we already knew, which is that the ups and downs of the market are not dictated by the calendar, but are random. It also shows your best bet is to invest throughout each year and to stay invested. Now, one of the more interesting things I discovered with my analysis was from the most recent COVID correction of 2020. Now, the market low for the S&P 500 occurred on March 23rd, when the S&P 500 closed at 2,237. Now, the last time that the S&P 500 was that low was on November and December 2016, four years previously. Now, investors dream about the ability to go back in time and purchase stocks at lower prices, but those that were investing regularly throughout the year via dollar cost averaging did just that when they were investing back in March, April, May, and June of 2020. Now, dollar cost averaging is a simple habit, but can build wealth over the long term. Unfortunately, many don't apply this principle as we get many requests at tax filing deadlines to make an entire year's worth of contributions. Now, I've been guilty of this myself, but have since repented. Now, some people believe they could just wait until the downturn occurred and invest then. And unfortunately, that's just not realistic, unless, of course, you can predict the future, which makes me wonder why you would be listening to this podcast in the first place. Now, for the record, two of the greatest investors in the world, namely Warren Buffett and the late John Bogle, who was the founder of Vanguard, have both said that they have never met anyone that could time the market. As the saying goes, it's not timing the market, but rather time in the market that makes wealth. In conclusion, if you are investing for the long term, it's always a great time to get into the market. And dollar cost averaging can be a way to help those that may worry about investing a lump sum ease into it. There are a lot of people with significant positions in cash that are really being impacted by the inflation that we're experiencing right now. And so they'll want to invest those funds that they have allocated for long term goals. As always, I really hope you found this helpful. When I sit down with clients or anyone interested in being clients, I review their investments, tax returns, and estate plans to ensure what they have is aligned with what they want or their why, their purpose, their goals. 
If you want to discuss if your what is aligned with your why, feel free to schedule an initial meeting with me via betterplanningbetterlife.com website. Welcome to the tips, tricks, and strategies portion of the podcast. This is a tip regarding mutual and exchange-traded fund expense ratios. If you are invested in mutual funds and exchange-traded funds, which you likely are in your 401k, you're paying these fees. You just may not know it. And that's totally normal. As most people aren't aware, there is an external expense within mutual funds or exchange-traded funds, also known as ETFs, and that's called the expense ratio. And this expense is the fee paid to the mutual fund or ETF provider to assemble and manage the mutual fund or ETF. And this fee covers the costs associated with the administration, portfolio management, marketing, and more. And these fees are usually a percentage-based and represent an investor's cost each year. So they can be as low as 0.03%. So to give you an idea of how much of a fee that would be, on $10,000 invested, that would cost you $3 each year. Pretty great deal. But I have seen them as high as 1.89%. So you would be paying $189 each year on that same $10,000 invested. Now, these fees are deducted internally from your investment. Now, you may be wondering, why are these fees charged by mutual funds and ETFs even necessary? And the reason is simple. Mutual funds and ETFs provide the most cost-effective way for you to spread your money across investments. The technical term we use for this is diversification, and it's one of the most critical aspects of investing. And it's helping ensure that all of your nest eggs are in more baskets. And this isn't just age-old wisdom, but rather evidence-based research proving that diversification is better for investors. The theory is called the modern portfolio theory, and it's a mathematical framework for assembling a portfolio of assets such that the expected return is maximized for a given level of risk. So let me put that in layman's terms. So given a level of risk, you can get your expected return maximized through diversification. And this makes sense if you don't have all of your money allocated to a single stock, like the people did in Enron when they lost their entire retirement savings because they had too much allocated to company stock. Now, let me explain why diversification is so critical. The stock of some companies are over $3,000 for just one share. And if you just had $5,000 to invest, you wouldn't be able to own very many companies. But mutual funds and ETFs allow you to spread that same $5,000 across hundreds and even thousands of companies because it's spread out through the fund. Now, let's get back to the original topic, which is the internal expense ratio for these mutual funds or ETFs. Now, the amount of the fee is really based on how much management that you're going to have. Some mutual funds are called actively managed. And what we mean by that is there are portfolio managers and research teams that are determining which company stocks are best to invest in. Now, some mutual funds are passively managed, which means they are investing based on a publicly available list, such as the S&P 500, which is 500 of the largest publicly traded companies in the United States. Another example would be the Russell 2000. Just to give you some further context, 
An actively managed fund may not select all 500 companies in the S&P to select for their mutual fund. They may select 237 of the ones that they think will outperform in the coming year or so. Now, these actively managed funds, as one would gather, have higher expense ratios, whereas the passively have much lower as there's little management required. Now, there's a lot of debate about which is better. Is active management better than passive? And one might think that active management with their research and expertise would have a clear advantage. But long-term data shows otherwise, that passive outperform, especially when you consider the fees. While there certainly is a place for active management in certain situations, a diversified passive investment strategy used in combination with a financial plan can serve you well. Now, let me give you an example. When I help clients with rollovers from a 401k from a previous employer, I always assess their current 401k investments to see if they are invested in accordance with sound financial principles and in alignment with their goals. I assess a number of factors, such as the regions in which their investments are. Are they just allocated to the United States or are they also allocated to international or emerging markets, which have proven through evidence to provide higher risk-adjusted rates of return? Are they too much in one sector? Do they have too much allocated to IT or energy or healthcare? What about value or growth stocks? What about small cap versus large? I also look at their performance ranking against other similarly categorized funds. Example, I'll look at one large cap fund against another large cap fund. And of course, I also look at the fund expense ratios. Now, I've seen expense ratios on some of these actively managed funds as high as 1.89%. And what's worse is this fund had far inferior performance when you compared against passive funds that had a much lower expense ratio. Now, of course, past performance is no guarantee of future returns, but one of the guarantees you can put in your favor is to have a lower expense ratio. Now, what was somewhat disappointing about these high expense ratio funds were that they were from the very same provider of the 401k retirement plan. Now, was there a conflict of interest there? I can't really say for certain, but it certainly doesn't look good. You know, for these reasons, it's important that you are aware of many of the aspects of your investments, including expense ratios, because they can have a significant impact over the course of years and decades on your ability to build wealth and retire early. Again, I hope you found this helpful. And if you have any questions, feel free to go to my website at betterplanningbetterlife.com. Thank you for listening. And until next time, remember that no one builds wealth by accident. If you want to learn more about how to build wealth to retire early, head on over to my website at betterplanningbetterlife.com. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Individual tax and legal matters should be discussed with your tax or legal professional.
Johnny West is a registered representative with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC.